I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back Monday night. We are live across the universe. It's a glorious Monday night here in the UK, but we didn't want to share that with just the UK. We wanted to go global. We bought a returning guest, and oh my goodness, is it a banger. Before we get to today's guest, although if you are watching on YouTube, you already know who it is. Before for the audio peeps, big man, how you doing? Yeah, good. It's uh, May next week. Years flying by. I know. Sun is shining. Um, you know, we're almost out of COVID lockdown. Three weeks from now, you and I can be in the studio and record together. And we've not done that for 15 months. Nope. So that is going to be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's all good. And I'm, I love today's guest. I'm so glad he's come back because he's uh, I'm a big, big fan of his. I've been for years. So uh, I'm going to cut the intro. Let's just get into let's get into our, our guy here because he's, he's just awesome. And I'm so, looking forward to this. He's my favorite Newcastle United supporter. <laughs> Staying up, we're staying up. You are. You have, you have Arsenal to thank for that for Joe Willock as well. Yeah. yeah yes. Exactly. Uh, uh, w- let's get a takeover going. Newcastle. Newcastle, of course, uh, tried to like ride on the coattails of the Super League and just be like, let's raise the value of our of our franchise before all the fans revolted. But uh, oh, the Super League that was all breaking down. So we had Stepmom Lauren on last week, and that was all breaking up as I was recording. My phone was going crazy i mean that might be i'm trying to think what was longer antonio brown to the bills or the super league 
that would be an interesting breakdown Ooh. to see which one lasted longer. I think I think the Super League just... I think it was the Super League. Yeah, Antonio Brown was just like, I'm not going to the Bills. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and, then, and then, like, and, and it, there wasn't really a Twitter revolt about him. But anyway, guys, it's, it's wonderful to be back. So if you are not aware of who today's guest is, it's Joe Dolan. He's pretty much the most accurate fantasy football ranker on planet Earth, and I'm assuming the universe. Joe, you've been top five the last four years five years something like that yeah and i don't, I don't want to mislead people we didn't uh, put our rankings in the fantasy pros system this year um well, well, and I, I mean that's an entirely other conversation but heading into uh launching fantasypoints.com we had a lot of success with our rankings at the old fantasy guru site uh and at uh the one the one year sabbatical tom brawley and i took at fantasyfreeagents.com we had a lot of success putting the rankings in up there but uh but yeah we've had some success doing that i i think you know people always ask me what the secret was and i think it's it, it's kind of common sense um and also like the fact that um it, it over rewarded uh almost being a little conservative uh, because you could, for instance, like you guys know, know how like some guy, a running back, for instance, let's just throw a name like Jordan Howard out there uh, as, as the quintessential boring running back uh, <laughs> might finish as RB 21 on the season in full points while Naeem Hines might finish RB 38, but Naeem Hines ended up being the more valuable fantasy player because of his spike week. So there was ways that like, I used to like really like to look at this and say, Hey, I like Naeem Hines a lot more than Jordan Howard, but you know, he's going to outscore. Is he going to outscore him for the full season? So there were ways to do that. But, um, but doing that breakdown also helped you understand ADP and understand where to exploit things. And I'm sure we'll get into all that, but it's, it's good to be back here. Um, And and I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity. Ah, look, it's, it's great to have you back. Obviously, when you were last on, you gave us a heads up privately. We couldn't talk about it. We didn't about Fantasy Points. You obviously started a business in the pandemic. How was year one of, of Fantasy Points? Uh, you see you're rocking the merch now um, as well. well. We can see it's, it's, uh, it. It was rewarding. But the problem was, and I mean, guys, I'm sure you guys are well aware of this, was we launched in April. And we're trying to create this. It was so frustrating. Like we had set up this team over the course of 18 months, really bringing in Graham Barfield and bringing in Scott Barrett and reuniting uh, me and, and, and Hanson and Brawley uh, from our time with, with fantasy guru and, and bringing in again, uh, Adam Kaplan and Greg Cosell and, and putting all this team together. And we had done this over the course of 18 months and, you know, in March, one month before we are, uh, we're, we're supposed to launch, the, the COVID crisis goes worldwide. I, I think we all remember where we were when Rudy Gobert uh, tested positive and the NBA season shut down. And, and, and you, know, you still didn't know you were scared. But then, you know, you get on Twitter and you're like, I'm posting the logo and I'm so excited. I'm back with my friends and we're excited for this project. And you get people in your Twitter mentions, and Twitter's a toxic place, we know that, but you get people in your Twitter mentions saying, <laughs> you know, why would I pay for a website when there's not going to be a season? And there's not, you idiots, why are you working? There's not going to be a season. And it, it was hard to like put the blinders on and focus on the fact that there, that there could be a season. And I don't think any of us knew exactly what was going to happen, but I, I got to be honest with you guys, the first time, 
where I felt like in any way close to normal was the NFL draft last season. And although it was like the Zoom draft and Roger Goodell's in his basement and all the prospects are, you know, at home and they're being live streamed, there was a a level of normalcy with that draft. Um, I thought the NFL did a great job putting it on ESPN, the NFL network, you know, kind of teaming up to, to broadcast. I thought they did a great job. And then that was when I started to feel decent about head down power through, but it was tough. And it's impossible for us to say, you know, how the pandemic affected our subscription numbers, you know, because there might've been a lot of people, even in September guys, like who were like, should we do a fantasy draft? Like we like to say our, our fantasy points.com subscription appeals to casuals and hardcores alike, but uh, every website out there is going to tell you with the exception of maybe the heavy DFS focused sites, like a roto grinders, every website out there is going to tell you a huge portion, like massive portion of your subscription numbers for fantasy football come in August and September. And last year we had cases worldwide spiking in August and September oh, they might start the season, but they're not going to finish it. Why would I play fantasy? Why am I going to play fantasy when I have to create rules to put guys on COVID IR? And 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 what if I'm heading into a Sunday and I got a big matchup? And I mean, this did happen. And my team doesn't even have a quarterback because the Denver Broncos <laughs> had to play without a quarterback. So I, it, I think it's impossible for us to know exactly how much that affected the, the consumption of the content, but overall, you know, I thought we did a nice job in our first season and handling the slings and arrows and the punches as they came. And um, we're really excited for 2021. There's a lot we can do better. Um, I think I, I, we all were at uh, anybody in any job last year was adjusting on the fly. Uh, so there's a lot we can do better, but we're excited for 2021 and, I'm excited to have an NFL draft where there's people there and Goodell's hugging people. I, I, I think we all are really excited for something like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's such an amazing contrast to hear you talk about that. Whereas everyone in the UK here was absolutely, I wouldn't say nailed on that there was going to be a season, but we were ultimately so much more confident it was going to happen. People did drafts. In fact, we had the opposite because everyone here was locked down and couldn't do anything. People did too many drafts. I think we did too many drafts. Everyone we know did too many drafts. Um, we actually had the opposite effect that come March, April, May, everyone was drafting. Everyone was doing startup dynasty drafts. Everyone was doing loads of rookie drafts. Everyone was doing best balls. I did like 150 best balls last year because I was at home and it was just broke it it broke the the time up and and we actually had a situation I was in some leagues last year where people would quit midway through the season because they're in too many leagues commissions started too many leagues couldn't run them and they we're now actually seeing we've seen a lot of it where dynasties that started up last year I'm going to continue because the commission isn't paying attention and it's all kind of dropped off. But Hey, we had, so we had the opposite effect here. It was, it was crazy in terms of everyone was just drafting everyone because it was, everyone wanted something normal. Everyone wanted that uh, hope and the belief. And we knew the season was going to have blips. We knew it was going to be difficult and challenges and, people were just determined to ride it out here. Um, people were just like, do you know what? There's no Premier League. There's no sport anywhere. I remember when the Bundesliga came back and that was a thing for two weeks. Everyone was like, wow, the Bundesliga, there's sport on TV, the Bundesliga. Yeah. And everyone was watching the Bundesliga. Like 
we had no sport for I think about eighty days. Eighty that days was of NASCAR no here, and I had never been a car racing fan. And like, but it was on TV, and then we were like, "Oh!" And I have a buddy who's a big NASCAR fan. And he's texted me. He's like, "All right, now this is what you need to watch." And it was just fun to watch competition. But I will say this: I did do a lot of best ball drafts, and again, maybe to try to create that sense of normalcy. And and frankly, it was also best ball to me is the best way to prepare. Like myself, you know, it's not like it's not like I. I mean, I've been good at it. I've had a lot of success in best ball. Um, in the recent years. But for me, I wouldn't be able to do my job in August and September if I'm not doing best balls in May and June. It's just, it's just the way it is. Like, I, I always like to say that the mock draft is dead. You know, like going to Yahoo and picking your draft slot because you're drafting with your buddies in a week and somebody then takes the, the Chargers defense in the first round. You know, like that doesn't happen in best balls. And if it does, well, thank you for your donation, sir. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, it, it's um, – I was still doing a lot of that, but there was always that tenseness. Like, you know, we know we're, we're, we're trying to I, – I had just taken a year off from having a full-time job because of what happened when I resigned from Fantasy Guru and, you know, we had some legal issues. Um, and I wasn't planning on going without a salary. You know, my wife was going through – grad school to get her PhD. So in 2019, I, we, we had a, a home where neither of us was on a salary. And, and, you know, the fact that 2020 came along and I'm like, finally, you know, I'm going to own my own company and I'm going to have money again. And then this thing happened. I mean, there was a level of stress there too, almost like a, a willing, almost trying to will the season forward. Uh, because, I couldn't go two years without a salary. And w- what we would have had to do is we, we put it in our, um, our terms of service that if you signed up for fantasy guru or excuse me for fantasy points um, in 2020 and there was no season, your subscription would carry into 2021. That's what, that's what would happen. And fortunately we didn't have to do that. And I just hope everybody had a lot of fun playing fantasy football and is out there staying healthy and hoping we can get back to some level of normalcy here over the next couple of months. But I know we're all excited for the draft coming up. Absolutely. Last thing on, on fantasy points, you know, you guys do a terrific job. Greg Cassell's draft guide is, is out there now. Um, but what are you doing this year? I, have you got anything that you can share with our listeners to get them over to fantasypoints.com? I mean, you should subscribe anyway. Um, I'm actually in the process of, of buying a house, but once that process is done and my finances <laughs> have not been scrutinized with every single subscription, my subscription will be going in. Um but for those who perhaps aren't aware of fantasy points for whatever reason, I don't know why, what are you doing differently this year? Uh, what's going to get people to to hit that subscribe button? Um, well, other than the fact we should say that they should because it's a phenomenal site with amazing people. Well, what, we, what we're going to do is we're going to expand on the things that made it successful. The focus in 2020 was to get the content right and, you know, get some baseline tools on the website and, and, and f- put the focus on the content as opposed to the functionality of the website in terms of all the bells and whistles you can do. You know, one thing we did at, at fantasypoints.com last year is build a draft tool, a dra- kind of like a draft optimizer, a draft guide, uh, a draft, uh, something to hold your hand. We built that from the ground up. It's native to us. We built a DFS optimizer from the ground up. It is native to us. And, you know, the thing that we were able to do with, with that was we were able to keep costs lower. 
Um, so we were, I think we have a very good value in terms of if you want to make, if you don't want to subscribe to a DFS site where you have to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if you're not a power DFS player and you just like to dabble, you can get our optimizer on our website and, you know, and it's for a very low cost. It was part of our premium package last year because we want to expand the functionality of it. It's, it's a little bit of an add on this year, but the costs are still low. I think we're the best value in fantasy, but it was, it, it was built on what we did last year obviously scott Barrett and grant barfield um were really good on the dfs end and the stat end we brought in wes huber formerly of pro football focus who's doing a lot of dynasty and dfs content he is now full-time with our website um coming in the next couple of weeks um scott actually introduced me to a young uh young man by the name of jeff henderson who um developed a fantasy wins above replacement metric that we are going to host natively on the website. And it's a, it's a descriptive stat that we're going to use uh, in kind of ways to look at what are some optimal draft strategies. We have some other names in the industry who we haven't announced yet, who are going to be coming on board to just contribute to the website. And ultimately I think, we're just going to be not flying by the seat of our pants so much anymore. You know, one role that I've taken on much more recently or much more heavily recently, I'm, I'm officially the managing editor of the website, but I'll be completely frank. I didn't do a whole lot of editing last year. Like I, we were all scrambling by the seat of our pants. We wanted to make our own mark on the website, so to speak. And I had this huge ass column that took up way too much of my time. And this year I'm going to be kind of the, Uh, I'm going to be the binding agent. I'm going to be like the eggs in your pancakes. You know, I'm going to make sure everything kind of uh, gels together content wise. And we have a much better continuity of content. And that's one thing we really like at Fantasy Points. We're a team. We all have our own opinions. But we really like to have weekly that one set of rankings, that one set of projections. So we're not like, oh, there's 14 different sets of projections. And that was the one thing about the fantasy pros contest was we only had one set of projections on there. Like there wasn't, we didn't have 15 different guys doing 15 different sets of projections. And then, you know, three of us finished in the top 15 and we could say, Oh, look at this, you know, amazing. Uh, We had one set when, when we were doing that. And that's what we do. And I think my role this year is going to be to kind of coagulate all that and make it, make it more, um, make sure everybody knows where we stand and have a, a, just a unified vision across our betting package, across our DFS package, not to say we don't have different opinions. Hey, I like this guy a little bit more than you do, but that kind of stuff will be reflected in the projections this year. And that's going to be my role overall. And I'm excited for it. Love that. It's a great website. Like I said, I subscribed last year. I'm going to subscribe this year. I urge everyone to. But let's talk a little bit about your 2020 season. We've talked a little bit about how it was a bit haywire. We weren't sure if it was going to go ahead. But how was your season as a whole? And then on top of that, what are some of the key takeaways and learnings you're going to take from that 2020 season and and use that to to get better in 2021? Well, number one, um, I, I took down an NFFC contest this year. Not the main event, I, I wish, but um, <laughs> I want to I want to thank that uh, thank thank my our friends at the NFFC for my new entertainment center. Thanks, guys. Um, and taking down one of their one hundred and fifty dollars best ball leagues and and making it to the playoffs in that and uh, uh, it, that was a lot of fun. So I want to thank them for that. But otherwise. Um, I had some tough luck in best ball, like in terms of like some of my quarterbacks, like I was heavy in on Dak Prescott and, yeah. and that didn't work. And for, for reasons I was heavy in on Carson Wentz and that didn't work for other reasons. Um, 
But, you know, uh, making sure that I had a lot of Josh Allen um, and, and stuff like that really helped. But some of the lessons I need to learn is, uh, and I learned this big time because my two biggest misses, I would say this year, were on two guys I wasn't drafting. And that was on Stefan Diggs and Keenan Allen. And I really needed need to look at, at talent and, and say sometimes talent wins out and sometimes teams have a plan for these guys. And, you know, I think when, when Stefan Diggs went to the Bills, we're all like, oh, my God, you know, he got so frustrated with Kirk Cousins. How's he going to feel when Josh Allen sails a pass 10 yards over his head? And that didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. I don't think anybody would have predicted Stefan Diggs was going to lead the NFL in receptions. Like I don't think anybody predicted the bills were going to be that pass heavy. And then ultimately you have to look and say, maybe talent wins out and coaching wins out. And when teams trade like that and a good organization like Buffalo trades a first round pick for Diggs, you have a plan for him. Um, Keenan Allen, I completely missed on because a number one, I thought Tyrod Taylor was going to be the starter for some time. And you know, he never supports a high volume passing game. But I frankly would have told you guys last year at this time that if you told me Justin Herbert was going to start 15 games or the way he did, I wouldn't have been on Keenan Allen either because he was a rookie quarterback. And and frankly, I mean, I think Justin Herbert blew away a lot of people's expectations, but Keenan Allen's just a high-level player who played in, I think, with a high-level rookie quarterback. I don't know if anybody anticipated that. But, you know, when you're getting a discount on guys like that who are still in their prime, are still – Put, uh, putting up quality numbers, even when things change, we need to take a look at that and, and, and ask the, the question, why? Why are those guys going late? Are we too scared of them? And that's that's a lesson that I need to take into best ball this year. And, and full disclosure, I don't do best ball until after the NFL draft. I have people who disagree with me completely about that. There's a lot of people who think there's so much value in drafting rookies before they land. And, and that's fine. Uh, it's just not the way I've had success in the past. So um, uh, that uh, that's just the way I prefer to play it. And if you take that or leave it the way you will. Yeah, absolutely. So just based on that one learning then, who are your guys right now, if you've looked at the ADP, they're going to fit into that profile for you in terms of that talent, at, oh, at a discount. I, got, I got one. I, and I, this is good. See, I, I, I think it's a spicy one because it's going to piss people off. <laughs> so I have to look at it like that. Clyde Edwards aware. Really? Okay. Cause he made people so mad that, yeah. and, and I understand it. I understand it. But now you're going to get this back who we know can catch the football. I know they brought Daryl Williams back, but Damian Williams is gone. Um, I don't know if they're going to make a move at running back in the draft or not. But I, I just feel like we, we saw we, – we always like to say, oh, running back, it's the easiest position to get accustomed to in the NFL, and guys can get plugged right in. And what's kind of funny was it was the receivers, like Justin Jefferson, who ended up having great impact early and often. Meanwhile, you're Jonathan Taylors, you're Edward Zolaire, DeAndre Swift, a lot of these guys struggled to acclimate early on. Um, teams were more comfortable with some of the options that they already had in the building. The Lions, too much so, with Peterson and carry on Johnson. But, you know, when the the Chiefs had Daryl Williams in the building, and then they went out and got Le'Veon Bell, who didn't do anything, but they still went out and got him. And the, the Colts had planned to have a three-headed monster with Mack and Naeem Hines, you almost wonder if that situation would have been different if we had a full off season and these guys could get acclimated. And, you know, the chiefs, 
the Chiefs don't care. Like, they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire because he was a luxury pick. Like, they're, they're, he can make our offense better. We don't need anything else. Well, they also aren't in the business of, hey, we'll let him take all his lumps because we're not really contending this year. If they trusted Darrell Williams, they're going to put Darrell Williams out there. Um, but I just think with a full offseason, I still really like the player. I like the prospect. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a guy who I'm – I am going to be drafting quite a bit of this year because I, I, I still think he's a great fit in the offense for, from a talent standpoint. The fact that they got rid of Damian Williams is a good sign to me that they, that they trust him moving forward. Um, that is definitely a guy who I'm going to be in on this year, and I expect to get yelled at about it because people hold grudges in fantasy football. I, I love it. I think, I think that's a fair, a fair take. So I'm just looking up some 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 mock draft data, right? Going in a similar range is David Montgomery. So you, these three are pretty much going in a very similar range. Yeah. David Montgomery, Clyde Bertolaire, and DeAndre Swift. Oh. They're kind of the three guys falling in. I'd say Swift is the higher of the three looking at the data of C. Then it's, you know, Montgomery and CH are kind of, you can flip them. They're, they're basically a, a pick them in Same the ADP pick, yeah. right now. Right. So, Given that realm, given what we saw last year, given the fact that there's almost no receivers going on in Detroit, and appreciate this could all change in, in a week's time. And then you've got Dave Montgomery coming off the season of his life, which <laughs> who knew? And, and CEH, are you still feeling comfortable to take CEH over both those guys? Or, yeah? Yes. And, and, I would love to be able to tell you I am uh, – because in my long-term keeper league, which I uh, – hey, we're all human. I haven't won it in 13 years, um, <laughs> which is like it, – it, it, it is a nagging toothache, that damn league. DeAndre Swift is going to be one of my keepers, and then the Lions dismantled their entire offense. And in addition to dismantling their entire offense, they brought in Jamal Williams, who – Look, I don't think anybody here is going to say Jamal Williams is as talented as DeAndre Swift, but you know what Jamal Williams is. He's short-handed, he can catch the football, he can block, and he falls forward. And Dan Campbell, who's who's currently chewing on chicken bones somewhere, is going <laughs> to love that. Yeah. And and it's just like, I, like I, I just have to examine the situation for Clyde Edwards-Alaire and be like, I know DeAndre Swift probably outplayed him last year, but I'm looking at the situation for Edwards-Alaire, and it is pristine compared to that. Of, of DeAndre Swift, you know, the Chiefs just, they signed Kyle Long. Um, they they just traded for Orlando Brown. So you have that improved offensive line, which was a huge problem for them last year. They, all the moves that they made up front, I, I think it's going to be a good season for Edwards Alaire. So going back to the Justin Jefferson thing, do you think we all overlooked that with him being a rookie wide receiver and the fact that Diggs was gone and we knew how they used the two wide receivers in Minnesota? Should we have been slightly more bullish on that from the get-go? Probably, um, but looking at the situation, but like, I think everybody had the same kind of thought here, right? Oh, Philly passed on him, and Philly really needs an outside receiver. And... They took Jalen Rager, who it's too early to write him off, but clearly not not the best of decisions. Um, and you look at Minnesota, where Adam Thielen's done a ton of his damage from the slot, and you're like, all right, good receiver pair, but is it really going to work here? 
Um, and, and then he ended up having the best rookie wide receiver season of all time. Like, I think you could have, you could have laughed at people for fading Justin Jefferson last year and still not think he was coming anywhere close to the best rookie wide receiver season of all time. You know, um, I think if people were to say this year heading into the draft that Jamar Chase is going to have the best rookie wide receiver season of all time, people might not laugh at you nearly as much as they would have if you said that about Justin Jefferson, who I think was the fifth wide receiver taken in, in his own draft class. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we, I think we, um, we missed on that. Um, and I think the NFL itself gave us kind of reasons to miss on that. You know, Judy rugs, lamb and Rager all go before him. Um, I think it was fair to question whether the NFL had it right. Was he predominantly a slot guy? On the other hand, maybe we should not just rule out slot guys because ultimately what college football coaches are trying to win games. Mm. And, you know, they might have thought Justin Jefferson was best in the slot. Um, Hell, I mean, you put Julio Jones in the slot and he's going to eat souls too. (laughs) Um, But Ed Orgeron and Joe Brady are trying to win football games. So they're going to try to exploit matchups. They're going to try to get Justin Jefferson open. And I think we needed to look at the production. We needed to look at the traits a little bit more. Um, and, and notice that just because he didn't do this in college doesn't mean he can't do it. Um, and, you know, it's the, whole, it, it's the whole Justin Fields debate, and we'll get to him. Justin Fields didn't necessarily go through his progressions very much. But if your first read is open, your coach is going to kick your ass if you don't throw to your first read. So, you know, it's one of those things where just because he didn't do it in college doesn't mean he can't. And I think that was a lesson we need to learn on Justin Jefferson and know that Minnesota had a plan for him and it worked out obviously to, to a huge extent. That being said, you know, I think if you're redrafting next year, tabula rasa, get a clean slate out there. I don't know if you can reasonably expect a rookie wide receiver in a pandemic without a full off season to have the impact Justin Jefferson had. I still am going to lean towards that being a massive outlier um, and credit to Justin Jefferson. I mean, he had an amazing season, but we, we also have to make sure we're not overrating to uh, outliers and freak seasons. Yeah. 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 That's fine. You talked about the slot receiver. I think there's a, there's quite a few of them in this year's class, yes, putting on the, uh, the size and stuff. We'll get to them in a little bit, like you say. So with the draft being three days away, Joe, do you have any draft day or draft weekend rituals that you do every year that you need to have done for your draft? Um, well, uh, uh, normally I'd like to have whiskey, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's, that's every day. Uh, but, um, <laughs> But uh, what I'm going to do this year is there's probably going to be like, I'm going to be doing some live streams and um, on Thursday, we'll see about Friday in our discord chat. And um, uh, on Saturday, I'm going to be doing Sirius XM, which, which is, which is kind of a tradition that I've come to really enjoy. Um, I miss going to the draft. I actually haven't been to the draft itself since 2017 when it was in Philly, Um, but I had done it at Radio City back in the day and and had a lot of fun doing that and interviewing prospects and stuff like that, which was a good, a a good deal of fun. But I just like to talk live and and spit and and spit hot takes. I mean, why would you watch the NFL draft if you don't have an opinion five seconds after a pick's made? Um, But for, for fantasy purposes, I just like to look and see how these pieces fit together as they come live. And, you know, I know it's the the NFL draft is legitimately one of my favorite days of the year. And I can't believe that because um, it it really, I mean, you're just waiting 10 minutes between hearing names getting called, but you get to formulate opinions in real time. And then 10 minutes later, that opinion might change, you know, Oh, no way is 
Cincinnati going to take Jamar Chase when they already have T Higgins and you know he had such a great year last year and they already have well maybe Cincinnati does take Jamar Chase we've been convinced for weeks that Atlanta's not going to be taking the quarterback well what if Atlanta does take Justin Fields you know you have to change those opinions on the fly and I think that's the big fun of the NFL draft but in terms of rituals I don't really have one only because I've uh, just in wearing all the hats that I've worn here with Sirius XM and fantasy points and the websites that I've been on it's typically producing content and uh and building from there and if i have time left over maybe i'll enjoy myself (laughs) i love it i i i'm with you i just love the nfl draft i just think it's one of the most fascinating things and what i love is the reactions afterwards or even during like um the Pat McAfee show where jordan love gets drafted might be my favorite reaction to any draft pick (laughs) ever taken ever uh, i think lee shared it uh brilliant uh, that's my all-time favorite moment to to watch that right there. and i, I just think i see i'm one of those that i loved last year's draft probably more than any draft ever because i loved seeing people's houses i liked seeing yeah, that was a lot of fun i like seeing zach johnson's renter desk wearing his dad's suit because it clearly didn't fit him like i was like thinking come on dude you gotta get a suit that fits and see cliff kingsbury put a seat up in his uh oh my lord (laughs) my wife really likes seeing cliff kingsbury's bachelor pad Uh, oh yeah i mean like she loves cliff kingsbury (laughs) a little too much i thought like wait a minute is this guy like tony montana all of a sudden everyone's gonna come incredible i mean that's what i loved about it i'm gutting we're not gonna see as much of that this year but based on uh, all the mock drafts going on now it the silly season now i kind of ignore the, the final mock drafts because they get a bit silly but in your head how do you see the first sort of five or six picks going uh in this draft because i'm curious just for your opinion uh see how you think it's going to go down i mean obviously one's a, a slam dunk probably two is two but i'm keen to see where you think the rest of it's going to go yeah well uh, obviously um what what's funny is there is a I, I'm going to spoil this right now for you. Maybe I'll come up with something else. But you asked me there is a in the show notes there was a oh what's your hot take about the NFL draft? And when I saw that, my hot take was going to be Trey Lance is going to be the third pick. Ooh, and okay. then we get the Ian Rappaport report here, and I think Adam Schefter just had a podcast where. Trey Lance has made things very difficult on the 49ers. Now, I'm laughing at this, and I'm 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 laughing at this because I I just I I always the notion when a team trades the way the the 49ers traded three first round picks to move up to number three, the notion that they make that trade without having any clue who they're going to draft is preposterous to me. <laughs> it's like it's like um a couple years ago when the Eagles in 2016 traded up to number two. Like, everybody's like, oh, they don't know if it's going to be Wentz or Goff. They knew. Like, they knew Wentz was going to be the the pick. And maybe they don't do the trade if Wentz isn't there. You know, I think the Mac Jones stuff has been kind of smokescreening to me. And we overuse that term in draft season that, oh, it's a smokescreen, you know. Um, But my guy, Tom Brawley, our our betting guy at Fantasy Points, who is, quite frankly, just one of the – he's just one of the sharpest guys just in terms of common sense, you know? And his question was, do you trade all that to go get a player who doesn't have those next level level physical traits? Do you trade three first round picks to go get a guy in Mac Jones when they're objectively, not to say they're better players, but there are objectively players on the board 
who have higher ceilings in Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And, you know, going back to the research that our guy Greg Cosell has done at Fantasy Points with his draft guide and discussing, talking about the notion that he's the most experienced quarterback in the class at play action from under center, which is a huge element of what Kyle Shanahan does. I've kind of always felt Lance was going to be the third pick. So that's the guy that that is where I really think this is going here. And my other take here in the top five is I don't believe uh, Kyle Pitts makes it out of the top five. I don't think that's happening. I think either Atlanta or Cincinnati is going to take him. Um, and then the other question becomes, and I'm not sure where I lean on this, is is Jamar Chase also going in the top five? And that's a question I, I don't know if Atlanta's exploring trading out of that pick. Is Atlanta going to look at taking Jones or Fields or, or I guess, Lance? Um, I mean, it's no guarantee. Mac Jones is still the betting favorite to be the third pick, but the odds on Trey Lance to be that pick have plummeted in the last couple days. Um, it, I, I, that's that. That's where the draft starts to me is at number four, because we know San Francisco's taking either Jones or Lance at this point. And I mean, I guess you could still say they could, they could take fields and put a huge smoke screen out there. Um, but is Atlanta going to make that pick? Is Atlanta going to trade that pick? Is Atlanta going to say, we've, we've got Matt Ryan under this contract. Um, Julio Jones, there were some trade rumors popping up today. Do you take Pitts? Do you take Jamar Chase and try to extend your shelf life with, with Matt Ryan? Fascinating there. Um, and then I, I still think we are not done seeing trades in that top 10. Um, there was the rumor Philly could trade back into the top 10. Um, and obviously what Philly did was pick up an extra first rounder next year. So they can use that if Jalen hurts doesn't pan out this year. So, I, I mean, there, there's so much intrigue here. Um, we are I mean, we're heading into a draft where we essentially know who the first two picks are going to be and, and uh, anything, anything else could happen here. And I, and I would be, I, I would, I'd be surprised, but also not surprised at the same time. Like, is Atlanta going to just try to outscore everybody? Is Cincinnati going to say, is Cincinnati going to issue? This is ridiculous to ask, but Cincinnati just watched its franchise quarterback get broken in half last year. And could they take a skill position player over, you know, Penny Sewell? Yeah. I, it's, it, it's, it's going to happen. I, I, I just think more and more that is going to happen. Yeah. I, it's I'm, fascinating. I'm, the only way that doesn't happen is if Chase goes at four. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think if, if it, I've been saying this for weeks, I think if Atlanta go into draft night, if they go into draft day, still with the fourth pick they're picking. Yeah. I don't think they're going to put themselves into that position of, oh, well, we'll see what late offer comes in. I just don't think as a rookie GM with a rookie head coach, I don't think they're going to put themselves into that kind of panic because that pick is so fundamentally important. And I think they're going to make that decision of if we're still in it with 24 hours to go, 12 hours to go, we're going to take carpets. I'm, I, I can't. Look. He might be the best player in the draft. Exactly that. And, and you, and you could get him with the fourth pick. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, if I were starting a franchise, my pick would be Trevor Lawrence, but you know, I mean, if Cincinnati had the top, well, if Cincinnati had the top pick this year, they'd trade it, but um, you know, Kyle Pitts might be the best player in the draft and Atlanta could have a chance to get him at number four. Yeah. Arthur Smith, like is an tight offensive end. minded guy. And yeah. he's, a, he's a former tight end coach. This guy knows tight ends better than anyone. He's never yep. going to see a tight end better than Kyle Pitts. You know, he knows what to do with that position. He knows how to utilize that position. It, it would shock me if they didn't go Kyle Pitts, unless they traded it. Now, if they trade it today, if they trade it tomorrow, if they trade it Wednesday, 
I get all the logic on that. But I, I they're not going to trade the Carolina. The the Patriots aren't going to trade them that much, and they're not going to want to slide down that far. The only, so the only team that can trade with with Atlanta is is Denver. Yeah. That's the only team, and I can't see Elway going up that high. I can't see him going up the four uh, and um, and getting him. But I mean, they could do. I mean, this is Elway; he could literally do anything, and nothing would shock me. But Denver's interesting, and this is the that's the team I'm going to be watching because uh, you know when you talk about rookie r- rankings here, um, I mean, I think 95 percent of people have Trevor Lawrence as their fantasy QB one because of his talent level. You know, the fact that he can run. But what if Lance or Fields lands with Denver? And then you look at that and say, okay, I think Trevor Lawrence was a far better prospect than Justin Fields. Maybe maybe you're one who doesn't think that the, the gap is that big. Maybe, hey, maybe it's Mac Jones. I think Lance is, uh, I think um, Lawrence is a much better prospect than Mac Jones. I think Zach Wilson's a much better prospect than Mac Jones. But he lands where he's throwing to Fant and Sutton, and Judy, and Tim Patrick, and you got Melvin Gordon who can catch the ball out of the backfield. They said, man, if Justin Fields with his running ability were to land in Denver, even though I have Trevor Lawrence as a far better prospect, for fantasy purposes, I'm very tempted to rank Justin Fields number one among this rookie class, just in terms of the situation. And then you have to wrestle with that is why? did the NFL not think Justin Fields was as good a prospect as everybody on Twitter seems to think. And I haven't seen nearly as much of like that, the, the Twitter, uh, the Twitter, like, Oh my God, Zach Wilson's going to be terrible. Like in, in recent years, we've seen that so much where like people were convinced two years ago that Josh Allen was going to be the worst quarterback in the history of the oh, NFL. And, and then last year it was, oh, Justin Herbert's going to be the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL. And, you know, maybe sometimes the teams do know something. Um, sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do. I haven't seen that nearly as much this year because I think people might have been like, all right, maybe there's something here I'm missing. But is there a reason some teams appear to have Justin Fields as the fifth quarterback in this class? And that's something you've got to reconcile with the fact that, man, if he lands in Denver – that's going to be really hard for me to not get hyped for fantasy. Uh, there he is. <laughs> He's got the hype. Oh. He's excited. Is he a Broncos fan? Yeah, boy. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, love, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't get that image of Justin Fields in Denver out of my head. I, I can't. And, and I have to feel like, man, if, if, if that opportunity arises – I, I mean, I feel like Denver fans would, would just revolt if that doesn't happen. I feel the only person that can stop that is is Bill Belichick. Mm, yeah. I feel like he's the only person that can stop that and, and go to Carolina and offer him 15 and some picks and, and go and scupper Denver's party. It's the only way I can see it. But, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I just think it's such a fascinating draft. I literally cannot wait for it. Because- I mean, five quarterbacks go in the top 10? doesn't happen i mean no. it's it, it we've had loaded quarterback classes in the past um well about you know, 2018 you had five game round one yeah you the last of course lamar jackson was the last pick and i think everybody would be shocked if mac jones or fields or whoever makes it past the to use 15. the patriots at 15 so like you're gonna have like that 
I mean, I don't know if we're getting the same level of hype that 1983 had, obviously the Elway to Marino mm-hmm. class. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's that kind of loaded draft here. Uh, I think 1999 was the last time that uh, anything close to this happened. And that was Tim Couch, McNabb, Keely Smith, Cade McNown, and Dante Culpepper. Um, so that, I mean, this, this, this is that kind of uh this is that kind of class and, you know, looking back to to, to that year, uh, McNabb (laughs) and Dante Culpepper, the only two were even worth a damn. But uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully it works out better for these teams. But it it also really, what it does, guys, is it kind of um, makes it hard for us to to deduce where some of these other players are going to go. Pitts and Chase, Pitts isn't making it past five, in my opinion. Chase, I don't think Chase makes it past six. Because I think if he gets to Miami, I think they're going to take him. But Smith, Waddle, those are two really interesting names too. And, you know, you look and say, I don't think Dallas has taken another wide receiver. Could the Giants? Um, could the Panthers? Uh, could Philly try to maneuver to get one of those two guys? It, that, Detroit, that's where Detroit doesn't have Detroit. any. You know, but, but could Detroit decide, we're going to suck this year anyway. Let's just take Sewell and at least try to get that building block for the future. So that's fascinating, too. Yeah, I, it, there's so many different ways this is all going to cut itself. I mean, like, I, I, I'm going to be a bag of nerves sitting there at 32, just watching the chaos and uh, and think, I don't, like, it's the thing, I try to do mock jars for the Buccaneers, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, well, anything can happen, because you just don't, you just don't know. Like, 31 picks and, and everything going on, I think sure. this is probably going to be the most unpredictable first round. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see five, six trades on draft night or in on draft day, do draft night itself. Yeah. Heading up in, me. you know, right. What does, does a team get Intel? Hey, we're fairly confident who San Francisco is going to pick here. I'm getting on the phone with Atlanta. If I like Fields or Lance or Jones, I'm going to get on the phone with Atlanta. That's something that could happen well, right before the draft as well. I'd be shocked. I I just don't buy this uncertainty that that the Forty ers don't know who they're going to pick. I I, I, think I don't get. Placed, I don't. No, I think they placed the call to the Jets. I think the Jets said. I think they placed the call to the Jets all the way when the Jets were picking it too. And I think that because if nothing else, it's in the Jets' own interest to tell the Forty ers who they're going because they know that the Forty ers are getting a QB, and they don't want New England getting a QB. That's fair. So I, there's no doubt that Douglas and, uh, you know, the, the, the two teams have had a conversation. And, you know, Lynch and Douglas have definitely had a chat. You know, Lynch has phoned up and said, what's it going to cost? Douglas has gone, no way. Lynch has gone, I want a QB. They've had a chat. I've got no doubt that Lynch knows who he's taking and who's available at three. And, and he's going to keep not... it to himself because that's right. probably part of the deal to get the intel was cause a storm, you know, let's make this difficult because we don't want the Patriots to make a move and get a guy. We want to keep this as tight as possible. It's probably Lynch doing Douglas a solid. That would not shock me in the slightest. If and and by the way, you know Jacksonville's not trading one, so the yeah. Jets aren't the Jets aren't <coughs> in aren't in danger of the 49ers trading exactly. past them. So exactly. like, yeah. So you know, you know the Jaguars are taking Lawrence. 
Um, you, and so the, the Jets, the Jets have their guy. They know who they're taking. They're right. There's no reason for the Jets to be like, well, I don't know. That Trey Lance, he's really, yeah, exactly. there's no reason for them to do that. Well, the, that's what I say. I, I think the incentive is the other way. I just think that for them, they've probably exchanged the information and Douglas has said, I'll tell you, but not only can you not let this leak, but you've got to make this difficult because we do not want, we don't want the Patriots coming up. I mean, if they They're do it on draft night, they're finally vulnerable. They're finally vulnerable. Don't let it happen. <laughs> don't yeah. let it happen. Don't yeah. let them get. Don't let them get the next Tom Brady. Don't let them get Mac Jones. That's probably part of the deal. Maybe they're going to take Mac Jones just so this. Well, we'll get Mac Jones, and then that way we can't have another Tom Brady esque run in, in New England. Yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a huge chance though that Mac Jones slides to 15 in New England. Just nab him then, anyway. Yeah. Right. I mean, so. What what does what does the league think of Mac Jones? Then that's that's fa- you know I, I I laugh at the notion, and this is the whole reason. Like my guy, our guy Brawley at FantasyPoints.com was just so logical. He's like he just I don't buy the 49ers trading up for Mac Jones. And you might think he's great at all the processing things and, and all that, and maybe he is. But like, well, it's Shanahan's system. You know, you know he can make any quarterback work. That doesn't mean you intentionally turn the difficulty level up. <laughs> It's not, it's not like, you know, we're going out to play golf and my buddy's better than me, so he's given me five strokes. Like, it's not like that. If, you can, if your system is that good that any quarterback can work in it, then why the hell wouldn't you want somebody who's explosively talented like Trey Lance? I mean, you could be a big Mac Jones fan and nobody's going to tell you, oh, I think he's explosively talented. Um, so, yeah, where does, where does Jones go? Like, you know, Philly might not be sold on Jalen Hurts, but – are they really going to draft, you know, Mac Jones at 12? Yeah, I just don't see that happening. So maybe the Patriots are, are looking at this saying, this is actually leaning into us being able to maybe make a move for Mac Jones. Philly, I can't see Philly taking QB. I think they're just going to roll out the year. They're pushing all their chips into the next year. Do you know what? They have so many picks this year. They're going to trade a load of those picks into the next year as well. Yeah, they could. And they could also, you know, like there was the uh, – uh, Today, Adam Kaplan said he thinks Zach Ertz is gone before the yeah. draft. So maybe you get another pick, yeah. whether that's this year. They could use that also to yeah. just say, like, I think what people are saying here is Philly traded down from 6 to 12. Well, here's why. Their fans are pissed off because their fans are like, if Chase or Pitts are there, we're going to riot because, like, those are elite players. But Howie Roseman's thinking, and, you know, maybe he's not thinking straight, but <laughs> he's like, I just picked up a first-round pick next year to move back six spots, I could trade to nine and take one of the Alabama trio, certain Smith or Waddle, and I'm not going to have to give up that first. So at the same time, I'm increasing Jalen Hurts' chances of succeeding this year, while also knowing that I've given him another weapon, maybe in a Devontae Smith, and if he doesn't succeed this year, I've got three first-round picks next year where I can go get my quarterback. That's 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 what he's thinking here. I'm not saying it's going to work out, but there's that's a fascinating team too because just because Philly traded down doesn't mean he can't trade up again. No, although they could also trade down again. Again, which would really piss the fan base. Off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah, that they're, oh, they're, the, the, Howie Roseman's not a popular man in Philadelphia right now. No. Um, and I think given what, what we've seen in the last sort of 12 months, 
it's not the biggest shock in the world. But no. it's amazing that this fall from grace with Harry Roseman, that, that, you know, two years ago, he was really much seen consensus-wide as the best GM in the league. Mm-hmm. Coming off a Super Bowl win, I mean, that was three years ago. But still, coming off a Super Bowl win, building that roster, and it really, it's amazing to me how quickly that, I mean, we're talking about rapid decline. Because it's not like he had the oldest team in the world. And like everyone just hit the end and that was it and it's all fallen apart. I mean, this isn't going to be what the Buccaneers are going to be 24 months from now when everyone is done and the coach is done and everyone like, it's just great. He retires, Arians retires and everybody, and everybody knows the Buccaneers sold their souls to do that. Which is worth it. Nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. it's worth it. (laughs) It's already Um, been paid up. and, And like when it comes to Roseman, I don't think anybody is going to begrudge him. In hindsight, it's not great. But when you bring the Philadelphia a Super Bowl championship and you're a little um, – and, and you're a, a little, uh, let, let's say, a connected to the players who have helped you do that, Jason Peters and Alshon Jeffrey and, and maybe some of these older players who you much, maybe should not have, have extended, you can understand that. But here's the problem with Roseman. He hasn't drafted well at all. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm always of the mind, like, you know, the old, uh, the old Steeler and Packers, oh, you know, we're going to draft them and develop them. That's a, meaningless, uh, that's a meaningless platitude to me because drafting them and developing them, you know, like that's a catch-all thing. Well, you better draft the right players first and foremost. So I still think, you know, teams that underutilize trades and free agency are intentionally making things harder for them. But that doesn't mean that drafting isn't the single most important factor in building a team. And the problem for Roseman is the failures have been spectacular. You know, Ortega Whiteside over DK Metcalf is a spectacular failure. Um, I'm, I have a little more hope for Jalen Rager than I do for Ortega Whiteside, but Jalen Rager over over Justin Jefferson. Hell, Jalen Rager over Brandon Ayuk and T. Higgins looks like a spectacular yeah. failure at this point. You know, and not not to say, look, Jalen Rager, that team was broken completely last year. That's not all on him. You know, but, like, that's the problem with Roseman because Philly's such a high-profile team and – he these these failures have been explosive failures. Oh, and tra- trading up to get Andre Dillard. I mean, that, that's no, another that one. looks I'm... terrible because they traded up to get Andre Dillard just to pull one over on the Texans, who were yeah. there and then ended up having to take Titus Howard, who's been a better player than than Andre <laughs> Dillard. You know, like you could have done that. And hell, if they t- if they take somebody like Hollywood Brown, he would have been a much who's hasn't been great in his NFL career thus far, but he would have been a better fit for them than, than Dillard. And yeah, you're right. I mean, just like, it's not only is it like, you're not finding value in the draft if you're Roseman, but it's your three, your, the, your early picks have looked like crap. Recently. Oh, the, the only one he's picked in the first three rounds that you could consider any form of success. And I'm clutching here is Dallas Goddard. Well, <laughs> right. And he was a second round. And then, you know, and the year they won the Super Bowl, Derek Barnett, who's been a good player. He hasn't been great. No, Derek Barnett's not the reason the Eagles are in the position they're in, but no. uh, but like even that, like but he was I a mean, reach at fourteen. I mean, he was a reach at the time at fourteen, but I mean, it's proven more so. Do but, you know the yeah. only Pro Bowler that the Eagles have drafted since Howie Roseman took power back over from Chip Kelly? Do you know what? I don't, but I have a funny feeling <laughs> it's it's what not Jalen Mills. It's Carson Wentz. <laughs> 
There you go. I mean, there you go. (laughs) So that's like, I mean, Howie Roseman's best first round pick in the last five years is the quarterback they just traded to Indianapolis because they completely fractured their relationship with him. And, and, and that that's fascinating to me. Um, uh, Not to say Wentz is blameless at all. uh, But um, I just think that, that that's what makes Philadelphia such a wild card here because you know, Howie Roseman is super aggressive you know he's like I've got to prove them wrong. I've got to I've got to stick to my board, and I've got to get us a good player here. That Philly is a team to watch on on Thursday for sure. I completely agree. Uh, like we, it's so good having you on. I just want to pick your brain for a few minutes because for sure. Um, before we wrap up, just with regards to best ball, because you know you mm-hmm. talk about you do a lot. You have a strategy. Best ball is one of the fastest growing. Uh, elements of fantasy football over here. We don't quite have the same um, paid opportunities to do that as as you guys do. Some of the sites don't accept Brits doing it. Some do, and they're getting better. But ultimately, it's something that is growing very quickly. People's concepts right. of best ball and using that as a vehicle to draft. Um, given how much you do and, and the success you've had with it, be really good for you just to share some some tips in terms of just give us all a bit of a, a masterclass in terms of and I, I put in the notes here some of the strategic differences between best ball because some people approach it as if they're drafting like a redraft or the roster construction side where to take the gambles with those sort of upside picks versus those safe picks um, and stacking as a concept those sorts of things it'd be good just for you to break through all of that and well, give our listeners a chance just to get better at best ball. So two years ago, I had a really good best ball season. And what happened with that best ball season was my strategy two years ago was load up on running backs early, have like, I want three in the first four rounds type, get my wide receivers, mix in a tight end or a quarterback here or there and end up with like five or six running backs by, by, by essentially I was bookending my drafts with running backs. I was like, I'm going to take three in the first four rounds and then I'm going to take three in the last five rounds. And that's kind of how I was doing my, my draft. And that really worked well two years ago, because you might remember two years ago was an awful year for zero RB because none of the running backs got hurt. And so these running backs, these early round running backs were hitting at massive rates. Last year I went with the same strategy and I didn't have nearly as good a year because last year was a pretty good year for zero RB. McCaffrey gets hurt. Barkley gets hurt. Um, so you have all these early round running backs who are who are going down. And Ezekiel Elliott has a bad season after you know Dak Prescott gets hurt. So you have these early round running backs who are going down, and that really opened the door for zero RB. And our guy Scott Barrett at FantasyPoints.com, and I really encourage you to go read his stuff. He did a study here where first and foremost he's a bell cow running back lover he's like i am not a zero rb drafter if i have a chance to get my dalvin cook i'm gonna get my dalvin cook if i have a chance to get my jonathan taylor i'm gonna get my jonathan taylor but he also his his study of best ball trends over the last few years suggested getting one running back early and then kind of getting into the wide receivers is, is is the most optimal strategy and it made a whole lot of sense for me to me um because i do not want to be in the business of being overconfident that running backs are not going to get hurt um and I, I, I think this year I'm going to be doing that strategy. I'm going to be drafting wide receivers early a hell of a lot more than I did in years past. And I'll be honest, um, I am a late round quarterback guy. But I think in best ball, some of these guys are just complete cheat codes. 
And so what I want to do is I want to figure out which of these running quarterbacks are going to be the best values. Now, last year, I didn't draft Lamar Jackson at all. And, you know, for 12 weeks, that looked pretty good. Then he ended up having a really nice end of the season. But now I look at Lamar Jackson's ADP and he's really appealing to me because people are like, oh, you know, he had a bad year. He was a fluke. He's a one-year wonder. I'm taking Josh Allen over him. I'm taking Kyler Murray over him. I want to find those guys. You're Lamar Jackson's. You're Jalen Hurts. I want to see where Justin Fields lands uh, and, and kind of like deal in with those guys and get me a couple of quarterbacks in that 10 to 16 range is probably where I'm going to be drafting my quarterbacks. And then you have to mix in the tight end position. I think Travis Kelsey is probably the biggest cheat code in fantasy football right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think, and I, I'm, I'm fully admitting here, I have a tough time swallowing a first-round tight end. Like, just aesthetically, I have a tough time with that. Like, Mm. I might be like, man, that, like, you look at the numbers, you're like, Kelsey gives you by far the biggest advantage from number one to number two at any position in the entire league, and I still have a tough time. Like finding that, like like reconciling with that over Darren Waller, Kittle. Um, so I, but if I'm not drafting one of those like Kittle, Darren Waller, or Kelsey types, I'm probably just going to wait to go bargain basement hunting at the tight end position and getting three guys. Though I will say this, I do want to see what Kyle Pitts's ADP is because if Kyle, I currently have him right now ranked tight end seven which might end up being low because I've seen him go as high as like tight end four in some leagues, but I currently have him ranked as my tight end seven. I want to see where he ends up. But if he's, if he is consistently available in like the sixth or seventh round, I'm guaranteeing you he's going to be one of my most drafted players this year. And I wonder if he might be, end up being the cheat code at at a position guys where we haven't seen this. We have never seen like a rookie tight end break fantasy football. And that might be a little too presumptive right now to say he's going to do that. But if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be this guy. So I don't want to miss that boat. Let's put it that way. Yeah, because one of the questions I put down and skipped it was in redraft, is Kyle Pitts worth a top 100 pick? So middle of the eighth upwards. I, I, I say yes. And, and, wow. and, and well, here's my thing. He doesn't make it past, to my, my mind, he doesn't make it past Atlanta or Cincinnati. Yeah. I feel pretty bullish on him in both of those situations. Especially if it, you know, I, I think Matt Ryan, they, they wanted it to be Hayden Hurst. He had decent success, but it wasn't yeah, great. It didn't work out. Cincinnati, he can end up being their number one receiver if he goes there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be bullish on him in either of those two spots. Okay. I just can't do it. Uh, I can't do it. I can't do it. For me, it's I, – I now have this – I'm either taking Kelsey or I'm fading the entire position because I back myself every year in the market. I do a streamers article. I stream tight end. You know, I back to back with top tight, top six tight end finishes streaming 30% or lower ownership on the waiver wire every week. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a position that just doesn't score. And you might get these guys that might be a cheat code, et cetera. But ultimately for me, as long as you're not losing too much distance, and I've looked at the numbers and constructed it. Kelsey's the only one for me. And I'm like you. I I don't think I can take Kelsey in the first round. I understand people that do it. 
I don't think I can do it from my roster construction. I just don't. Right. I can't swallow it because I think that leaves me too much of a hole at running back or wide receiver later in the draft. So for me, I'll bargain basement all day long because I back myself every single year. There's always a guy or two guys or three guys. You know, two years ago, it was Darren Waller. Last year, it was Logan Thomas and Robert Tony. You just pair those two and you just rotate them every week. You came back with the tight end three. Like the tight end three. Like, and I know that Kittle got hurt, and I know that Ertz didn't really play, and Goddard got hurt, and, and all those things. But realistically, the, the position is so, unless you're playing premium, it's so defunct. I mean, it's getting to the point now where we need these guys to kick on in fantasy football because Titan's going to be the new kicker. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want I don't want that to be the case, you know, because we do need that kind of like catcher like position in fantasy football where you need to you need to balance the lack of talent with the fact that there are some elite guys. I, I am very anti kicking tight end out of fantasy. Now, the hope is this year when it comes to tight end, the Kyle Pitts, you know, is the kind of player who we think he can be. Maybe the Patriots get Jonu Smith or and or and or Hunter Henry, you know, in the offense that they're clearly designing for them. And then the other guy is Dallas Goddard. Like, is Dallas Goddard going to break out this year with the expectation that Zach Ertz isn't going to be around? Is TJ Hawkinson, who's, I mean, the de facto number one receiver in in Detroit right now, is he going to break out? I'd really like to see the tight end position have kind of a renaissance this year. Um, And and I wonder if Kyle Pitts is going to be somebody who's going to be able to to, – angle that along here uh i would love to see that i i'm just telling you right now Merv, i am not missing the boat on kyle pitts and my my, my analysis was mostly from best ball perspective yeah. you know because maybe yeah. it takes him five weeks to really get a grasp on things but i i just can't see my depending on what his adp is i just do not want to miss kyle pitts this year and be like oh you are a moron like why did you not draft him at 75 overall <laughs> I, I i just don't want that to happen makes sense one question i'm gonna throw a curveball on kyle pitts what if he goes to Miami? How much lower do you put Kyle Pitts if he goes to Miami? Um, like how many rounds, if any? <laughs> no, I'm not moving him that much. Ah, um, okay. I, I have questions about Tua. Um, I I didn't see it from him last year, but he's coming off a major injury. And here's the pro- the thing with Miami though. There's another team where, like, if you were to tell me he's their number one receiver day one. I wouldn't be shocked. You know, Parker's a good player. I don't know if any of us are going to sit here and say, oh, he's that alpha dog. Mm. Like he's, he's your, uh, he's, he's your DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think anybody's going to sit here and tell you that. Like, you know, I don't think Devonte Parker's not the player who's going to preclude Miami from drafting Jamar Chase. Mike Kosicki is not the player who's going to preclude Miami from drafting Kyle Pitts. You know, it's, it's one of those situations where I wouldn't be as excited on him as I would be in Atlanta or Cincinnati, but I'd still have him in that top 100 because I just think, I think he's kind of a situation proof kind of guy. Joe, you gave your spicy hot take that we normally finish with pretty early on in the podcast. Have you managed to come up with another one or, or are you uh, firing a, a blank on that? What is my one spicy hot take for the okay so my my spicy hot take was uh was Trey Lance is the third pick which again is no longer a spicy hot take. Um here's here's one that I think might surprise some people. It will not surprise Scott Barrett from fantasypoints.com. Elijah Moore of Ole Miss goes in the top 20. Oh god. Mm, that's hot. Mm. Oh, I hate that. 
Don't like him? No. Oh, he's an explosive player. Where, I, do, where do I have him in my... I think I have him quite, <laughs> quite low. I, I definitely have him lower than consensus. Yeah, that, that uh, I, I think there's like like there's like quote unquote. I guess the the plugged in draft people are like, don't be surprised. Teams love this guy. That's my hot take. He goes in the top twenty of the draft, and you know I wouldn't be shocked if he gets drafted before Rashad Bateman. I mean, I don't. I, oh, see, that's why I don't like it. Yeah. See, I have him at six. I have him over Ronda Moore. I have him over Tilly Wallace, but I can't. I I can't put him higher than that. Yeah, I, and I, I, I think that's fair. Um, and who else do you have up there? So you have you so have I have, ba- I have Bateman at two. Okay, so you have Bateman above both Alabama guys. Yeah, I have okay. Bateman at two. I have Waddle at three. I have Marshall at four. I think Marshall is the the highly he's the most slept player on in, I, in rankings. The problem with 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 Marshall is this, and I saw Adam Schefter tweet this before I came on the podcast. Was teams are super worried about medicals this year because they didn't get the time at the combine that they have, and with with Marshall now he might end up being a DK Metcalf level steal. I'm not because yeah, yeah. the medicals were some of the reasons DK Metcalf fell, um, but I, I I think he's somebody. I see what Marshall I, and. To be fair, uh, full disclosure, I mocked him to the Ravens in our draft guide in the first round. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes to the second to the second round because of the medicals, and and that's that's the thing that I'm I'm worried about. And there's uh, yeah. there's that whole slab of late first, early second wide receivers, just like last year, by the way, yeah. Rager, Ayuk, Jefferson, and then the Higgins. Um, Pittman, there's going to be that that group again, and this year it's going to be the smaller guys like your um, your Moore, uh, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Canarius Tony. Um, you're going to have uh, uh, potentially Bateman, Amon Ross, St. Brown in that in that area. So I think there's going to be that glut of guys who go late first, early to mid second. Where if you put any of them in that range, you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm very low on Tony. I think quite a few people are very low on Tony. I mean, I'm a Gator fan, went to the University of Florida. I don't see it. I just don't see, I, I know he can make plays, but you have to have made them. <laughs> you have to have made enough of them to demonstrate you can do it. I don't think he has, but we'll see what happens. I just think it's such a fascinating draft. I think, I think we're in for this will be one of the most memorable drafts, not just for the circumstances, the post-COVID and everything else, but just the talent, Rich, the the storylines, the trades. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, I I genuinely can't wait. It's going to be so much fun, guys. I I mean, uh, so what is your – I want to know your guys' plan. Like, I mean, it's like on at like 3 in the morning there, right? So, like, what – Yeah. (laughs) So, I – well, I mean, we both have day jobs. Um. My my typical ritual is to turn everything off, media off, sleep, wake up with no knowledge of what's happened, and I mean everything off. And, oh, I, I see. Okay, that's and then, fun. And then watch it first thing in the morning live, and I'll fast forward the commercials. I'll fast forward all. The, you'll be amazed. You can shrink it down to about ninety minutes um, if you take all the all the gump out. Um, is it easier to avoid? In the UK, that kind of like not that for kind us, of new, because yeah, you know, I mean, people don't want our phones. Yeah, just like on your phone, but like I mean, I, I I'm guessing you don't turn on like well, we have Good Morning America here, or whatever the hell it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, or whatever whatever the show is over there, and, and they're not, they're not talking about Trevor Lawrence. I'm guessing. 
they might do it has yeah. become more and more newsworthy um i think if you avoid if you if we went onto any form of sports channel it would probably yeah. give it a severe nod to it um we actually have a 24 hour a day nfl channel now uh, over here so we do have good morning football we have... it's not uh, do you have the nfl network or is it a, a uk version so, I mean, we do have – we can watch NFL Network on um, app. So we have Game Pass, and we can watch mm-hmm. um, Network. But we get access to our 24-hour uh, channel. We do get some Network stuff. So we get Good Morning Football, Total Access, oh, uh, Pro Football Talk. Um, I don't know yeah, what else okay. is missing. Yeah, and then I was we have, like... And then we have the weird blackout rule. So we have television games here that Sky Sports cover – and then if the if Sky Sports are covering it, you can't watch that game on Game Pass. So if the Buccaneers are playing, and it's different for the playoffs, but in the regular season, so if the Buccaneers are playing the Saints week one, like like it was last year, mm-hmm. um, that game was blocked out. You can't watch that on Game Pass. You have to watch okay. it on Sky. And that's a cable subscription. So that gets people's go up quite a lot when, <laughs> when that thing yeah. happens. I, I'm just fascinated by I've never been to the UK and I want to. Uh, my name's Dolan, so like I mean I, I'm Irish, yeah. so like I, I need to vet, mosey my way over there at some point. But yeah, I'm I'm just fascinated to see that. I don't know if you guys stayed up late uh, uh, or got up super early. These but... guys do. These guys are more hardcore <laughs> than me. These guys are. I, I I unfortunately I with my job I just don't think I I can. And also I've got, I, a, I've got a little one, so it's a little bit. More I difficult. need my eight hours. I need my. Eight <laughs> hours. I can't like I I just can't do the. I, I can't do the oh I'm gonna wake up early in the morning. I just, I am a militant I need my eight hours type of guy so oh, you know, I, I, I feel you I'll do it in the season yeah a season Super Bowl I'll do all of that 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 isn't a big problem for me it's just it's just for the draft and it is like that is something that mm-hmm. I can I can just watch that all unfold as if I, I Stocks had seen it and I was texting him as I was watching it because <laughs> um, it, it was the year that Fan went to Denver and I was like oh my god Fan's gone to Denver and I'm texting him he obviously knows what's happened mm. and I'm giving him my reactions watching these picks not knowing what's happening <laughs> oh man that's like eight <laughs> hours later yeah, yeah. I, I got you. hey Joe man that's look this has been an absolute blast appreciate you coming on where can uh, if they don't already follow you or fantasypoints.com where can everybody find you the website Twitter podcast you just plug everything you want go for it okay so uh, at fg uh that's fun guy underscore dolan on twitter um uh, so you can follow me there i'm always tweeting about um i got yelled at about the oscars <laughs> last night so because um, i'd only seen one of the movies and i'm not that interested in seeing any of the others but i'm always tweeting about stuff mostly football but other stuff too uh fantasypoints.com if you don't mind me plugging um uh, this is the last week of our 20 percent off early bird special so uh, come next Monday after the NFL draft, our 20% off special expires. If you want to pay me more money, <laughs> I, hey, thanks. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to get you in on the ground floor. Don't say I didn't warn you. And I also uh, co-host the Fantasy Feast podcast with Ross Tucker. Um, so we've been doing that, and we're going to be continue to do that this year. So um, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I am so sorry I'm so long-winded, but um, – we, it's nice to actually talk to other people. You know? <laughs> Same for us. And, and, you know, you're a long-suffering Newcastle fan. You guys are going to stay up um, as well. So, they, they, you know, maybe our fans here, we've got quite a few Newcastle fans who, who listen to the pod. Um, so they can get in touch with you and you can... <laughs> away the lads! Away the lads. <laughs> so uh, I really need to get get to a, a Premier League game. That is one. I've never been to the UK. I would well, love we, to go to a Premier League game. I will sort that for you. Um, I, well, I mean, look, I don't know if I can promise you a Newcastle game, 
Yeah. But I do have a season ticket to Arsenal. I can get us a ticket to, oh, to Arsenal. Oh, okay. So, okay. That's <laughs> awesome. I would love that. So, you know, you ever make it over here, I'll make I'll make sure that as long as the season's on. If it's not on, I can't help you. But, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> um, I haven't been for like nearly two years now because of the pandemic and it's been weird. So um, <laughs> it's going to be weird just going back and seeing what happens. But yeah, it's so good to have you on. We'll have to have you on again uh, at some point. But um, just appreciate the time as always. It's been enlightening. And yeah, do make sure you, you take advantage of that discount code and make sure that you um, listen to... to the fantasy feed podcast because i love it you get some great you've had a great run of guests on recently going through all the positions of rookies so if you wanted a bit more rookie talk before your drafts go check out the fantasy heat podcast the last five or six episodes you guys have had some stellar guests I know scott barrett was on greg barfield was on john hansen's on basically all your all your guys basically <laughs> Listen, Rush Nation, Joe has been an absolute star today. He, he said he was long-winded. We don't mind that one bit. Joe, thank you so much for coming on, man. Appreciate your time. Murph. I appreciate you. An absolute okay, banger you. once again, big man. You take it easy. The rest of the week looks pretty good weather-wise. Joe, thanks for coming on. Rush Nation, until later on in the week, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PREP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.